Hi, it's Cammy Chris Kamara, and you are listening to the Trinity Heritage Podcast with Jamie and Lee Robinson. They are unbelievable. Good afternoon, good morning, and good evening from wherever you're listening from. Welcome to episode 61 of the Wakefield Trinity podcast, the only active Wakefield Trinity podcast worldwide. I am your co-host, Jamie Robinson. But first of all, for the last time in 2022, let me introduce you to my co-host, my dad, Lee Robinson. Welcome, dad. How are we doing? Hello, hello, and welcome back to this week's podcast. Yes, the final one of the year. <clears throat> we thought we'd wind down, have a bit of a rest. We're on number 61, and we've had a good run. Can't believe it's January since we first started. So we've been doing these every week for the last 10 months, and it's been an absolute uh, absolute pleasure. Uh, this week, uh, we have arguably our greatest winger in Super League, in the Super League era. He scored 87 tries in his 116 games, the most scored by any Trinity player in the summer era. He's also an England international to boot. This week, we welcome Tom Johnston. Tom, thanks for joining us, mate. Hi, mate. Thanks for having me. Good stuff, mate. So, obviously, I mean, it's, it's well up and out in the public now. You are going to pastures and you're over in France. We were, we were just talking about you kind of packing up and moving and you were telling us you, you're not really got the ball rolling yet. No, no. Um, I'm, a, I'm a lazy person, as it comes to it anyway, if you ask anyone who knows me. So, I've been... I've not really been on the ball and getting things prepared and it's come to less than a month, you know, for me to be, to be setting off and uh, everything's kind of gone panic mode and I'm just rushing everywhere to try and get it all sorted. <laughs> um, and, and you feel comfortable with doing that? Obviously you've, you've got everything set up in France anyway at the minute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, I've like, I've been, you know, I've been sorting, trying to sort the housing and things like that, looking for a, for a decent spot, um, just debating on which area we want to be and things like that, whether we want to be a bit further in or on the beach. It's it's quite surreal, actually, thinking about moving, you know, to a beach. I never thought I'd be, be living five minutes from one. And uh, I'm not really a beach person, but my missus is, so she, she'll be happy. Oh, and which other, I've not actually delved into it too much, but who else is signing for Catalan? Who, who, who will be a new boy alongside you? Um, for the time being, the, the people I've heard of is uh, Manu Mao and Takiaho from the Roosters as well. So they've, they've, they've done some big signings, to be fair, you know, some big men. Um, and then just just little old me at the side of them. So, um, yeah, uh, I won't say as much as, you know, other clubs have done in and out the door, but um, Steve Mack definitely knows what he's doing. So I, I, I trust what he says. Good stuff, mate. Good stuff. I'm sure we'll touch on that later on as well. Um, if you have listened to our podcast, mate, and obviously the listeners out there are used to this now, we ask the same question at the start of each podcast, so we're going to ask the same one to you. What is the first thing that comes to mind when you hear the words Wakefield Trinity? It's a tough one, that, isn't it? Um, straight off the top of my head, um, probably thankful. I'm, I'm thankful for the opportunity and the people who looked after me along, you know, along the road. Um, I've obviously everyone, everyone's heard probably my story from now, you know, where, where it started and things like that, how I was at Leeds and then got released and thought the opportunity had gone. Then Wakefield, you know, came out of nowhere and give me, give me that olive branch sort of thing. And, and, and brought, brought an 18 year old lad in to start training with Academy. And then it went from there and Stu Dickens, especially he's done, more than anyone for me 
in my career. So yeah, definitely thankful. Thankful an opportunity, mate. It's been a great run, and it? it's come in a great journey in your seven years. Yeah. Oh yeah, mate. There's there's been some very high highs and some obviously some lows, but it's it's been it's been great, and I've I have loved it. Tell us a little bit about. Obviously, it's quite common knowledge you were born in Germany. How how did that happen, and what were you doing over there, and how did you end up back in Leeds as a as a youngin? So so my mum and dad are from Leeds, but my um my dad was in the Royal Scots Dragoon Guards, which is was I don't know if they still do it anymore. Was in Edinburgh Castle, um so he used to live in Edinburgh Castle in the in the quarters there, um and he met my mum in Leeds because my Nana worked where my mum worked, so he met her, you know, through that on the night out. Mum thought he was a total, you know, idiot when she first met him, but I'm a guy, you know. And um, yeah, we were based a few places, so we lived. We, we they they lived in Edinburgh before. My sister, my brother was born in Leeds. My sister was born in Catrick when they were based on camp up there, and then they were based in Germany. Obviously, as my mum fell pregnant with me, uh, so we lived there. Moved back to Edinburgh, back to Germany, and then my dad retired from the army when he'd done his 22 years and was office, you know, offered an office role, which he said, "Look, thank you, but it's not, it's not for me." Um, retired back to Leeds because my mum wanted to be near her, her family. She's very close, you know, my grandma and granddad, and then, yeah, went from there. So, what was it like growing up in Bramley, mate? As a in the 90s, tell us about that sort of journey. Yeah, to be honest, mate, I, I absolutely loved it. Um, you hear a lot about being it. I think it's supposed to be the um, the most uh, crime postcode in the country or something like that. It's something along those lines. But I, obviously, I live just, just around the front of a council estate and obviously there's not, like, I don't see anything wrong with that because nearly 100, all of my friends are from from there, you know, from from behind. So I, I grew up with them. We had a great time, you know. It that old saying of if you saw someone's bikes outside someone's house, you knew where all lads were, and that yeah. that was it. That's the way you used to find people. Or so I, I I loved it every minute growing up there. And I suppose it was a nice nice clear path into rugby league in a sense because it's traditionally a working class sport, like you say, from the council state and mining areas as well. Yeah, yeah. I, so when when I moved um, here, I was about five or six, and you know, I didn't really have many friends. Met a few people on playground and things like that. And then one of the lads I got talking to, Brad Nicholson, which happened funnily enough, his brother is becoming the head of youth next year. Matty Nico used to be my coach. Um, he said, "Oh, do you want to come down and play at Stanley? I've been playing there. Do you want to try it?" And then from day one, I was I was just hooked. I loved it. You know, back then. It wasn't about taking big carries up middle. It were running about and avoiding all lads and stuff, which is is what I love doing. So I just loved it from the very off. What was it about rugby league in terms of kind of the disciplinary side and, and kind of formality side that you enjoyed more than the athletic side as well? Uh, I, I love, I do love the camaraderie, you know, with rugby and things like that. The, the lads are second to none, even... Probably more so at amateur level, like it's it's a bit mad. You can, you know, you can do a bit more with that. You're not in the spotlight sort of thing. Um, but it just it just was a bit boring, the athletic side of it. I just, I could run fast, but that was it. All you did was run, like I, I, like I loved it. And I probably wouldn't have as many injuries doing that. But um, I just, there was something about rugby that just had me hooked. You know, when you're on that pitch and you get the ball in your hands and you're looking up, 
and you're looking at space and you're thinking, what can I do with this? Where can I go? And just there's no feeling like it when you when you make a run or a break or something like that. So that's probably what kept me hooked. Stanley's quite well renowned, isn't it, for, for out, out at top of the table rugby rugby league amateur sides in, in this region, mate. And Leeds Rhinos are, are, are it's almost like that pathway once again, scholarship level. Did they come down and watch your side quite a bit? Uh, yeah, yeah, probably because we were in the top division when you were, you know, 13 when they started coming around. Um, I think it was like us, Norman and Shawcross, people like that. Um, and I think there were seven of us which went down to the the Leeds trials in the first year, which obviously there's only 30 in, in the squad in general, which gets cut down, I think, to 22. So... The, the fact that seven of us got put in, that, that you know, they definitely had an eye on the squad and a few lads involved. What do you remember about going down to Leeds initially? Um, it, it was good, to be fair. We used to train at Kirkstall um, and stuff like that and then went into the service area from there and played all teams. And, it, yeah, it, it, it was enjoyable, you know. It was, it was a bit nerve-wracking because all the lads that you played against who you didn't know who were pretty good you were then playing with them and you were kind of bundled together. And one thing I did find, which I didn't like, was it was very clicky and it was very um, suck up. There, You know, who can suck up to coach most, who can do this and that. And it's never been a big thing for me. So I didn't really settle in with the group, you know, to level it, which I wish I did. Or, well, nowadays I probably don't. You know, wish I did, but at the time you were like, "Oh, I've got to get involved. I've got to be with them. I've got to be in group." But I didn't. I didn't do that as such. So I didn't really, you know, move on through the the pathway which people would have, you know, liked. How do you deal with, you know, a young age there? How do you deal with competition, internal competition as well? Like you say, you've come from a a traditional amateur rugby setting where you've probably got a, a couple of good lads and a couple of weaker lads, but then you're straight into a setting where everybody's a shark and everybody's a good standard. It's pretty tough to be fair because you you are like you know I I, I wouldn't say I'm a shy person but I'm not a person who's like ah oh, watch this I'm doing this get out way I'm I'm jumping in so I took a bit of a backwards seat really and just you know let the loud people the the good people like people like at the time were Liam Sutcliffe he he was a big one in that team so he he kind of went to the forefront and and showed his class because he was probably the best player in the country at the time. Um, and yeah, just and then at the end of the, I think it's a four week or six week program training before they cut it down, you know, for the games. And uh, you, you have a trial game at the end. And I just kind of waited until the trial game and then just played um, and got, got, got selected from playing well in the trial game, which is something I've always done. I probably don't train to the level I probably should do. Um, but I, I always try to, you know, give it my all and give it my best when it comes to a game. You were at least for being too small and not good enough as well. Did you did you have to go back to Stanley or is that where Trinity stepped in? No, so yeah, they, they released me at, I believe it was 16, saying you're too small, you know, you're not good enough. Um, and then went was playing at Stanley again, things like that. Just just carried on throughout it, you know, because it was a good laugh with the lads. Um, and then went through a bit of a growth spurt, a bit of, you know, puberty, things like that. Started getting quicker again and enjoying it and started ripping it up on a weekend, you know, in amateur. But obviously people were saying, oh, I'll, I'll, 
pro players have been signed up now. So, you know, you're playing, you know, people that are left around and things like that. But um, it got to the point where I was applying for university um, and I was just about to send off my application and stuff around November time for the coming year. And, um, oh, sorry, I've completely forgotten his name. And it's really disrespectful of me because he just passed away, picked me up. John Allroyd. John Allroyd. John Allroyd. See, that's really poor from me because he's a big, a big reason why I'm here. Um, came round and you know was waiting for us in the in the bar, and my dad goes, "Oh, there's a there's a Wakefield scout upstairs," and I was like, "Oh my god!" And he says, "Look, I want you to come down tomorrow. This one a Sunday morning. I want you to come down tomorrow and train with us." So went down to Wakefield. Um, just turned 18. Um, Raz, Raz Hudson, what coach at the time in academy, with Stu Dickens taking over in a few weeks. And then got a call from Barry Heaton, who's at, who's at Leeds, you know, in the pathway the week after I'd come to Wakefield. And he said, Do you want to come down to Leeds, mate? Look, I've, I've been hearing good things about you. Some people have put in a good word. And I just said, I uh, appreciate the opportunity, mate, but Wakefield came in and I'm, I've started training there last week. And he was like, are you sure you don't want to come down? You know, it's good setup and stuff. And I said, no, look, I've, I've had my time at Leeds. I think it's time I give Wakefield a shot. They've, you know, they've given me the opportunity and then carried on from there. Good stuff. How do you find uh, Ryan Hudson and Stuart Dickens? Because uh, they were a couple of good ones uh, back in the day, weren't they? About 2013, we're talking. Yeah, um, Raz is he's pretty full on, isn't he? He's, yeah. he's a bit mad. He's always hand gestures and things like that. Great bloke, like lovely guy. Um, and then Stu, I, cu- I couldn't speak high, more highly of a person than Stu. Um, he used to, he, when he was my academy coach, he used to come an hour before training, put bombs up for me and teach me, you know, catching and things like that, putting in the work. And then begged Richard Agar to give me a chance in the first team. And then He's been my welfare officer since then and looked after me, you know, since day dot. So he's one of, you meet a lot of good people in rugby league, but he's probably one of the best of them. Yeah, he is. And he's a good bloke, he's still me and it means still part of the past players uh, committee now. And uh, he's, uh, I've known him for a long time. He's a bit of a legend at Featherstone Rovers as well. Yeah. Uh, and that leads me on to the next question. Obviously, you went through the academy, uh, but before you sort of given a sniff in your first team, you had a couple of games at Featherstone in 2015. How did that come about? Um... Yeah, I was just kind of, I was supposed to make my debut the year before against Hull KR, the final game of the season. Um, Webbo had, you know, we'd all booked trip to Magaluf and Webbo <laughs> rings me, Max and Jordy and says, look, don't change your flight, you might be playing. So we were like, oh, wow, like change this flight. Yeah, we're playing. And then he, he pulled us in the day before and said, look, no, we're going to go full strength because we want to win it. We didn't. I think we got pumped. But um, so I was sat on the verge, you know, of, of get, getting a shot. And then um, I was just not quite, you know, getting selected. It, you know, we had um, Richard Owen and Chris Riley just in front of me. So um, I just got a Chessie pulled me to the side one day. No, was it Chessie? No, it wasn't Chessie. Webbo pulled me to the side one day, sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, and said, look, mate, you know, Fever wanting some players to go down. So I think me, Joe Rundle, Sykes and Trout, he might have gone down or picked yeah, I'm, just, I'm, I'm just looking at the team. Peter Godin there played as well. Yeah, and we all went down. We played played against Halifax away. That's right. And I think nearly all all of us scored yeah. one up game. It was a tight game, but we managed to win up game. Um so we're like, oh that was great, you know what, we'll do that again, sort of thing, blah blah blah. 
played Lee at home the next week, got absolutely pumped um, <laughs> when Lee were just on fire that year. And then um, Fev kicked off and said, we don't want any of your edge anymore. And I was like, oh, well, that was a, a bit of a turning event. It's like one week it was great, next week we don't want you anymore. So, But luckily for me, I think I made my debut the week after, so... You did, okay. yeah. That second game against Lee, um, Liam K ran ran right. He got he got a couple of tries that day. Yeah, it wasn't a good day. It wasn't no. a good day. <laughs> so, so like you say, two weeks later, mate, you got your first team uh, first team uh, shout uh, away at Wigan. So many players over the years have made their way debut at Wigan. People have pulled out. So many youngsters, so many juniors, and there you are, twenty seventh of March, two thousand fifteen, thrown in at the deep end at Wigan. What's your memories of that? Um. Nerve-wrecking. I think I got told the day before because did Milky play that game or was it Chris Riley? Someone pulled out with toothache or a tooth, you know. Um, they had they had um, an issue. It was definitely dental. Yeah. So it, it was Milky. Milky didn't play, and there was a total sort of move around. Richard Owen moved to the full back. You went on the wing. That's Jared, it. Jared Samet came in at uh, number six. Yeah. Great, so Milky great was from half. Yeah, so Milky was supposed to be at fullback and he pulled out, so they moved Rich Owen and put me on wing. So that went the day before. Um, I remember getting my jersey given to me by Ali, who was a good, you know, a very good mentor for me then. I used to travel with him. And then went out there and was just nervous to the point of being sick. It was it was awful, you know, Wigan were killing it at the time and then got put in front of Joe Burgess, who... Five minutes into the game, jumped over the top of me and took a try and went down. So I was like, this is going well. Um, took a carry. In Academy, I was used to, you know, running over the top of people and things like that. And I ran straight to Lima Tautai and Ben Flower and they just bent me in half, flattened me to the floor and, you know, give me a bit of a verbal and things like that. And then I remember that game didn't go well and I think we lost 40-odd four or something or 40-odd six or something like that. So it wasn't the best. But 50, it was 52 50 10, it was. He ended up there. We go, it won probably worse than what I thought. But I just remember getting cramped towards the end of the game because yeah. the, the pace and you know the, the, the physicality just I wasn't quite ready for it at, at 19. But it was a great experience. It's a long time ago, mate. It's over seven years ago. Do you, I mean, do you, we, we do a quiz on here every now and again. Do you remember your team? I'll, I'll, team. I'll, I'll prompt you and help you. We've talked about it already. Um, going through your one to seventeen. So who you your full back? Who were there? Right, we said Richard Owen. We said Richard didn't Owen we? before back because he moved there. You were on one wing. Who was on the other? Chris Riley. Yes. Your centres. Dean Collis. Yes. And was it? It was it. Reese was Reese. Oh, no, Reese right? pulled no. out as well. Oh bloody hell! Um, who else would be a centre? Joe. No, he wasn't there. Don't worry. Yeah, well, Joe yeah, Rundle. Joe, Joe, Joe Rundle. Rundle yeah. Yeah, so they were the centres. Your, your half-backs weren't your normal half-backs. So you said Craig Hall. Craig Hall from half, yeah. Um, standoff. Well, Jared Samet, yeah. He, Jared Samet, so he came in. So we drafted a lot of these in on the, on the day. Uh, your props? Was Nick Scruton playing? He was, number eight, yeah. Nick Scruton, yeah. Um, who would be the other? Mikel Simon? No, this is another one. Well, he was on the bench. This is another right. one who sort of got drafted in. Um, I think we got him on loan somewhere. George. George. His brothers played. He got a set of brothers who all played. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, you've lost me. You've George, lost Griff me. George Griffin. Oh, yes. He did come. He came with Jordan Hand and Ant Walker. For That's right. He came on loan. He, he only stayed a month, but I think that was his, one of his first games. 
Big Ali, we've yeah. mentioned in the second row. Ali Lawatiti is there. Um, yeah. Your other second rower, another Aussie. Matty Ryan. Matty Ryan, number 12. And number 13, still playing now at Cass, I think. Playing now at Cass. Dan Smith. Dan Smith, he was your loose forward, yeah. And then your, uh, we had four four forwards on the bench. So, Mikel Simon. Yeah. Um, one, one, one still playing at Cass now. Cass now. Okay. Oh, oh Paul McShane. Paul McShane, yeah, he was on our bench. They were uh, killing it then. You've already mentioned another one who came on loan from St. Helens. Um, oh, Jordan Hand. Jordan Hand. And the last one's still at Trinity now. He was starting out his career at that time. Were it Jordy? Jordy, yeah. So all these were sort yeah. of drafted in late. We brought, yeah. We've got George Griffin and Jordan Hand on loan. And then people yeah. like yourself and Jordy, um, George Griffin, Jared Samet, Richard Owen, you're all drafted in. So we, we didn't have to take a pump in. And when you look at that Wigan side, we, uh, Ryan Hampshire were full-back. Your wingers were Manfredi and Burgess. George Williams, six. Matty Smith, yeah. seven. Big boppers up front with Lee Mossop and John Bateman and Liam Farrell. Tell it, tell him a tau tie on the bench. They had some big hitters there that knocked some bells out of us. <laughs> yeah, great, great team there. I remember Liam, Liam Farrell um, getting tap off on our fault or something like that. He just went straight through and it sticks. And I was just like, it's going well. Yeah. But you had a month back in the. Uh, Academy or 18, whatever he had at the time. But you were back in again. You didn't stay out long. You had a good run in that 2015 uh, to, um, um, team. You scored nine tries in the next 12 games coming up. Um, playing outside Dean Collis, he, 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 he made not made you look good. You were good anyway, but he made you look special. Oh, he were unbelievable, wasn't he? I remember playing Magic Weekend with him and uh, I was like, I wasn't playing very well at the time. We played Cass. You know, I got, I got a couple of tries, but he was trying to help me out and I just want, you know, I want helping him. And I remember he, he, he left and retired the week after. And I just remember I was asking people, have I, have I retired Dean Collis? Like, have I, have I, am I that bad? And they were like, no, no, he's, he's gone on for different reasons. But I just come like such a great player. And I, the week after playing with me, he goes back to us. I was thinking, oh my God. Linking to that, mate, we, we, we put, obviously, you've probably seen on Twitter, we asked for, for fans' questions and stuff as well. Linking to that, Stephen Clare says, who was who is your favourite centre partner and why throughout your Wakefield career? Um, it's it's undisputed, to be honest. Um, I think everyone knows the answer what I'd say. It's Bill. Um, <laughs> he's, to me, Bill is the best player I've ever played with. Um, on his day, the things he could do and how good he actually is, it's it's scary, you know. And sometimes he's, he's he carried the whole squad on his back, um, some of the things. And he, you know, it took him a while, and he knows that it took him a while probably to transition into the centre properly, you know, where he was a full centre rather than a winger filling in. Um, but the the partnership with Bill is second to none. I knew what Bill were going to do before Bill knew what he was going to do because we've been together that long. So, yeah, nobody comes close, I'm afraid. I think talking about Bill, obviously, it brings up kind of this season again, but it's a bit of a change in the guard, isn't it? Now you think of you going and Bill going, um, Arona going, Fafita, Miller, kind of that generation where we finished them back-to-back fifth places. You're kind of all moving on at the same time. Yeah, yeah, it just ended up working out that way. So, we, you know, we looked at... Obviously, certain people were leaving before others, but it's just come that way that 
we've all ended up moving on at the same time. And it's probably, for me, it probably made it feel right. You know, there was times, you know, do I, have I made the right decision? Haven't I? But when that core group of players who are so close with each other depart, it's probably, it's probably been the right time for all of us to accept it. And look, there's a, you've still, there's still some players obviously from that, you know, you might ask your, you might show it, you Jordi Carver, but then you've got some young players like your Corey, your Lewis, people like that who are coming through, who are absolutely class, you know, you forget these players are only 19 turning 20 and things like that. So they've managed to play 20, 20 games this year and, They've played well in them games, you know. So there's there's a like you say, it's probably a passing passing of torch and things like that for them to take on and to do some special things in that Trinity shirt. Good stuff, mate. Good stuff. Rewinding back to what we were going on about. Um, what are your memories of the million pound game and working underneath Brian Smith? Um, working under Brian Smith, absolute probably genius of his generation in a sense, but maybe met him 20 years too late. Um <laughs> He was, he was a great guy, but he, for me, he was, he was a bit mad. Um, but that million-pound game, wow. Um, yeah, I, I went into it. I don't, I don't think I was supposed to be playing. Um, Max was supposed to be at full-back and Tanzi was supposed to be on the wing, coming up, coming in the week into it. Obviously, there'd been that car crash and things at the club and there was a few things going on where certain players were not allowed to play by Michael. And I remember Milky begging Michael to let them players play and saying, look, mate, you don't let them play, we're going to go down. And he was like, no, like, they've done what they've done, they've, you know, the consequences, and if we go down, that's on them, so be it. So, but the day before, Tanzi kicked off, I want to play fullback, I'm playing fullback, went to see Brian, Brian puts him to fullback and goes, well, Max into winger, Tom's coming in on wing. So I was like, oh man, do I do I need to be playing in this game? Are you sure? Like, do you, I, I've played twelve. I'm all right. Well, eleven. I'm all right. And yeah, um, like for me, I you know I had a contract whether we went down or not because I was a young player. So it wasn't to the extent of what everyone else was dealing with. You know, we had people sat there the week coming up, going, "I've got my mortgage on line here. If I lose this game, I lose my job. I lose my house." So, and I'm sat there, a nineteen-year-old lad, going. Oh, what is happening? Like, this is stressful. But, um, yeah, I remember it being a very tight game and probably a game if Danny Addy kicks that kick with 10 minutes to go, we probably lose. But it didn't work out that way, so we'll take it. And then next season, mate, Chris Chester comes in. Obviously, you've mentioned him already being, he was that big influence in that portion of your career. What What's your memories of Chesney and what did he do for you? Uh, he just... To start off with, you know, he, he came in and just couldn't have been a better start, really. He came in and um, everyone, you know, when you get that sense of relief and that, you know, a new coach, a new a new factor, a new lease of life coming, you know, lads, I want you to play how you want to play. I want you to throw a ball about. I want you to express yourselves. And we, we took off and I think we went on a 10-game winning, winning run or something along those lines, which was probably the longest run I've had in my career. So it, it was a very enjoyable time and it was a great group to be around and things like that. And he just probably brought that for me, you know, at the beginning and things like that. And we probably didn't always see eye to eye um, on certain aspects and things like that later down the career. But at the beginning, you know, life was great. 
Yeah, that's my next question, really. Life was great, wasn't it? Because I'm just looking at the scores. Like you say, just we put 10 wins together. We 60, 62-0 against Wigan. What a, what a game that was. <clears throat> we put 40 past Sheffield in the Cup. Um, we, we won at Widnes. We put 40 past Toulouse. Um, we beat Warrington. We beat Catalan. I think that was the uh, Magic Weekend. One hell of a run that was, wasn't it? Yeah. Oh, mate, it was special. Like The the, the Cup run, I think. Did, did we get to semi-final at Challenge Cup that year as well? Was it that year that we did it? I, I believe it was. Um, yeah, I think we did. That's what, that was the Warrington game, wasn't it, when we were, when we, when we were all injured? Yeah, I, I broke my leg and missed that one. But yeah. in general, the, the, the year itself was... Um, was pretty special and some of the teams I remember you know we beat Warrington at home and things like that so there were there were a great set of games then yeah one of my favorite tries ever it was I don't really remember we're talking 2016 we played Huddersfield at home and you took the ball down in the bottom right hand corner near where the clubhouse is in the changing rooms and you scored on the post from the north stand do you remember it the yeah yeah I do remember it yeah um on the the Easter, was it in in the it Easter? It was over weekend? Easter, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, all I remember is, you know, when the ball gets put in the corner, I should be under the sticks. So I went under the sticks and Finney threw it to me and pointed, go left, you know. And I stepped off my left and went right. And if you watch it, you can see him having a go at me, going, you know, like, what are you doing? <laughs> and then. After, you know, managed to slip a few tackles and scoring up sticks, comes running up to me and gives me high fives and starts celebrating. Like, but at the time, I didn't know that he'd just abused me halfway down the field. But, yeah, that 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 was one of the special, you know, one of the your favourite moments. And that's what I said, got me hooked onto the game, that, that freedom of getting given the ball in space and getting to run, evade people and things like that and breaking into open field. There's, there's nothing like it. There's no feeling like it. It was. It looked like a free. It was. You looked like a stallion with the uh, broke away from the uh, from the stables. And I remember thinking at the time I was sat behind you as you were running, and you sort of went past Coolio. You went past McGilvery, who were England internationals at the time, and you left him for dead. And I remember McGilvery chasing you to the post. He couldn't. He couldn't touch you. And it's quite an iconic picture of you sort of screaming as you're going under the post. Uh, and I just thought this kid's gonna. He's, this kid's gonna make it. And I thought it was a belter. Still one of my favourite tries in the uh, last ten years. Thank you. I enjoyed it. I definitely enjoyed it all. So you can tell from the pat and the scream at the time what you know what we're going through in my head. So yeah, I loved yeah. it. And you've touched on it next door. We don't want to sort of dwell on too many injuries, but uh, you broke your leg against St. Helens. But you, if I remember rightly, you didn't know you broke it, did you? No. So um, I dived in corner and Theo Farge hit me in the leg and it just felt this really dull pain, um, which... I think that was very early in the half. So I played on saying, my leg's killing, my leg's killing. And uh, Jordan Turner made a break and I just couldn't, you know, I couldn't sprint to catch him. So half time I got taken off because I was like, mate, my leg's hurting. I don't, I don't know what's wrong with me. So we went for an x-ray after game. Nothing came up. There was nothing there. So I thought, oh, it's just, you know, bone bruising, which can be quite sore, quite painful. So... Next week, I'm trying to train and my leg's just getting worse. And I'm doing I'm doing laps with Kermo. And by the end of the second lap, I'm dragging my foot behind me. And he goes, mate, what are you doing? Get off the pitch. So I got off the pitch and Chesy got annoyed saying like, right, physio. Right, what, what's going on with him? Is he playing? Is he not? Can I, you know, can he train? Can he not? And right, I'm like, look, mate, I don't know. Like, he's saying it's all. Like, so... 
sent me for an MRI instead to get a you know a better look of it. And I had a big fracture going through my leg. So we were like, oh, you know, so he took me to a specialist and he goes, no, should be fine, you know, get him in a boot, keep him looked after six, 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 eight weeks, you know, he'll be playing again. Well, maybe me walking up the stairs, I slipped and whacked my knee against the step. And all I felt was this blinding pain, like, and I thought that that's not good. That is that cannot be good. Went back into training next day and said, mate, my leg is killing. I've fallen over going up the steps. Can, can we have a look at it? So straight away, Fizz looks at it and goes, don't look great. You know, it's it's very sort of touch. It looks inflamed. Sent me off for another MRI. Came back 50% displaced with seven fractures in it now. So I was like, oh, my. Went back to the specialist day after and said, I am it, back again. Here's my leg. How have you done that? Fell over walking up the steps. Literally, you know when your foot slips off the end of a step and you just like jog, yeah. whacked my leg on step and it must have been flimsy. But before that happened, we were actually talking about jabbing my leg up and putting a putting a pad down the side of my leg and playing away at Catalan that weekend. Oh, wow. And especially said to me, if the steps done that to your leg, if you'd have played that game and someone to hit you in the leg, it'd snapped your leg in half, you'd have never played again. So it was kind of a blessing in disguise, really. So got a metal plate put in it instead. Oh, wow. and, uh, how, did, how did that affect you at the time? To to, I mean, in a, in a positive way, at least you got some results out of it. You, know, you knew what, what you needed to do and you, you finally got that metal, metal work put in it. Yeah, it, it, you know, it was the first time I've sort of, sorry, my light keeps flickering. I don't know why. Um, first first injury I've probably ever had, you know. Like, I know it, it was nine weeks, I think it was, before I played again, because um, it, it actually helped getting the plate and things. But it was pretty tough, you know. You come into a squad, you, you're playing week in, week out. You, you're having a right good season and then kind of take it out. And for me, it was more, I knew I'd be fine from it. But it was, am I going to get picked, you know, when I come back? We've, you know, I'm a young, I'm a young player and things like that. Um, luckily, everything went sweet. I got, I think I slipped straight back into the squad, played Castleway after that and finished the season strong. Yeah, you started the next season just as strong, mate. Once again, you, 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 you always seem to have these groups of, of games and tries together. Seven tries in the next, in the next 12 games before that first huge injury, that ACL injury against Catalan where... I remember I've interviewed you before. You mentioned your, your leg went one way and your knee went the other. Yeah. Um, playing up wing outside Mason and he's gone, you know, dropped me under him. Seen a big gap. Thought, I'm going through this. It just got closed very suddenly. But as I think it was Fuidiaha hit me here, Sam Moa hit me down there. But it sort of hit me directly on my knee as it planted and I've got it. there's a picture on my phone of one my leg literally goes like that like it's sort of a funny angle um and at the time you know a bit painful like as it happened but afterwards eased very quickly so I thought this is good this is good I remember at physios checking my knee there's one test you can do at ACL where you pull it forward and if it moves you know, there's, there's trouble. Um, he did that and he went, <laughs> and I caught, I said, uh, what's that face? What, what are you pulling that face for? Oh, nothing, nothing, don't worry. I'm like, and then went for the scan, you know, got a phone call. 
two hours later saying, yes, mate, you've ruptured your ACL. And I was like, okay, what does that mean? He was like, it's probably the worst thing you can do in your, um, you know, you're on sideline for nine months. And that, that you know, that really hurt. Um, ran, ran my family, cried my eyes out, you know, thought this, this is it, you know, <laughs> not sort of retirement, but this is, this is going to be a tough old run. And, um, will I be as good when I come back? Are things going to be okay? And then during my rehab, got a call from Kevin Sinfield saying they were looking at me to play in that Samoa test in the summer. It, it was good, but was the time of it perfect? Probably not. Did it hurt? Yes. So, um, but yeah, it was just, let's just get through this and get back, get back playing sort of thing. Me and uh, away from the podcast, mate. Me and my dad are actually physios by trade and by profession, so we know exactly what it what it is in terms of the the, the mental agony and the emotional stress and the physical pain as well. Obviously, going through it because you can't have your operation until your swelling's gone down either. Yeah. So sometimes sat waiting for weeks on end. So it's not just a, that perfect nine month period. There's sometimes a little bit before, might be a little bit after. You've got to wait for the scar to be mature and everything as well. As a young lad. 2017, your first major major injury. How, how did you deal with that? You know, you mentioned that you were you're in you're upset and you're in fits of tears as well. Yeah, d- probably to be honest, mate, didn't really didn't deal with it very well. Um, probably went the wrong way with it. You know, started thinking I don't want anything to do with rugby. Keep rugby away from me. I didn't go to any games. Didn't watch anything. Um, I'd lock myself in in the gym at training. Put music on loudly. Um, drinking a lot away from it. I wouldn't say, you know, alcoholic sort of vibes. It was more, I'm a young lad. All my friends are out partying. I've not got rugby to deal with. Why don't I go do that? So I spent a lot of my weekends out partying and doing things like that and probably went about it the wrong way because, it, it you know, it caught up with me. I had, like I've said before, I had a few mental health issues from that. I really struggled behind closed doors and had to go see, you know, someone from Sporting Chance just to to get some things off my chest and find a way to keep a way to deal with the trauma. There was a few things going on outside rugby at the time, uh, a friend passing away and things like that. And it all just kind of came at once and, it, you know, it got a bit heavy. So, I'd, but I, I, I didn't know that I should be feeling like this, if you get me. I didn't think that it was that severe. So once I'd spoke to the, you know, the therapist and told them everything I was dealing with, they said, this is normal. You should you should feel this way. You you should be stressed. You should be upset. Like, I'd be worried if you weren't. So that that helped in that sense. And as, you know, rugby's always been an escapism for me. Like, I, if I've ever got any problems, rugby, rugby is the way out of it. Like you don't think about anything when you're on the pitch. You don't, when you're training, you have a great time when you're, and things like that. So w- when that's taken away, it's quite tough. But as you get back to it and your first session in with the lads, your first, you know, your first game, things like that, it's like, oh, I'm back. Everything's great again. And you kind of push a lot of your problems to the side. I remember asking you a similar question once again before, Tom, but it, I'll change it up slightly. If, you know, you mentioned these players like Lewis Murphy and Corey Hall. If they had kind of a major injury like that, what, what advice would you give them now as a, as a more mature Super League player? Uh, de- I definitely, you know, it's, it's, it's bad and it's sad, but I'd say it's not the end of the world. Do you know what I mean? Like, I know it, it sounds so easy to say it like that, but just for someone, if they'd have put their arm around me, because 
everyone looked at it as like, look, we'll look after you. But everything was full on and, oh my God, this has happened. Stress, panic, you know, like, calm down. It's okay. You'll, you will get through it. You're all right. And, you know, I'll be there to walk with you every step of the way. You'll have people around you. Surround yourself with good people. And if you've got that good support network, you'll be fine sort of thing. But like I text Rocky when he did his and said, look, mate, it is a tough old slog and it will get you some days and you will struggle. But I know that you're more, you're a professional player and you're a good enough player, you know, to get, to get through the other end of it. So yeah, I just said, surround yourself with the right people and just, just know it is, it is a long journey and there are ups and there are downs. You become best mates with your physio as well, don't you, in those times? Oh man, I'm uh, Dave. Our physio is he literally is probably one of my best friends at Wakefield. He's he's seen more of me than he's probably seen of his wife and child. So um, yeah, you you do, and it it does help, you know, when you've got a good a good physio staff around you and SNC and things like that. Because you you build friendships in then times because of the people you spend your life with. Yeah, I've heard good things about Dave Cooper, the physio, because he's like he spent a lot of time with you, didn't he? Obviously, he did because he was your physio. But like you say, with your injuries, with your couple of ACLs as well, he sort of that was his speciality. So he put a lot of time into you, didn't he? Yeah, it's loads of time. As soon as soon as I did my first one, he, you know, obviously he's a physio and he knows what he's doing. But he put everything into that physio, you know, research of ACLs. He searched, did everything about it, and he came in straight away. Probably this much paper, and went, look. I've got this, we've got this, we'll go for it, we'll work for it bit by bit, every step of the way, and we'll absolutely smash it. And in fairness, he did. My, my knees are absolutely rock solid, you know, touch wood. Um, that My knees feel great. You, you wouldn't think I've had two knee, you know, recons to the extent that they've been with, because it wasn't only my ACLs I've done, like I did probably everything on my right knee, like absolutely, or my left knee, sorry. So... Yeah, he's, he absolutely smashed out of the pack. Good stuff, good stuff. Was it just paper talk at the time? Or was there, was there interest from Australia at the time, um, at the time of these injuries? <clears throat> no, no, it, it was true. Um, in 2017, I was speaking to a few NRL teams because that's that's always, that well, that was always my goal. I always wanted to go play in the NRL. Um, and I had a clause in my contract to do so. And... I'd spoken to a couple of teams, West Tigers, people like that. And then that was, it's quite funny. I rang, my missus was actually on a, at a wedding in uh, Ireland when I did my ACL. And I rang her on the Saturday and I says, look, there's a few teams in Oz wanting me. I think I'm going to sign a deal soon. You know, will you come with me? Because we just, we'd only been together a couple of months. And she said, yeah, I'd love to, you know, it'd be amazing. Then the day after I did my ACL and then the day after that, you know what, all these clubs have pulled out sort of thing. They want to see how you get on your new ACL. So I had to ring her back and say, yeah, it's not happening anymore. <laughs> but, yeah. Damn injuries. Um, 2018, mate, the, the next season on, you had a belter. Um, you scored uh, 24 tries in 25 games, um, three hat-tricks, two against Tulkar, injury-free. That must have been a good season for you. Yeah, that that's best season, best season, the most enjoyable season I've ever had. Funny enough, um, yeah, it, just just the whole season, you know, start to finish, playing outside Bill, Tash, Milky, that team, that edge, 
I don't care what anyone says, Milky should have been in that dream team regardless, mate. He he was, you know, the one what got us in it. He was the fundamental. So how has he not been selected? But the year as a whole, on the pitch, off the pitch, you know, the lads were like glue together. We did everything together. We did team functions. We On a weekend, we turned up, we killed it. It was just every part of it. I couldn't, couldn't have written a better year. And he was. I'm just looking at some of the results. We started at Ulkar, which is never an easy place to go. You scored a hat-trick. Uh, we beat Wigan at home. Uh, we beat Leeds at home. We put 50 past Ulkar when they came back to us. Uh, we put 40 past Widnes. Uh, we beat Wigan, 32-16 at home. Put 70 past all. It was just. It was a fun season, wasn't it, all the way around? Yeah, it, it was a season, you know, where it just clicked. Everything clicked. The, the side had been together a couple of years at this point and you know, when, when we were on, we were on. Like, you know, people say when they've got a squad and when this squad plays well, they can beat anybody. Well, that was the case. When when that squad were on fire on a game day, we were untouchable. We could, you know, we could dominate any team and we could score some of the best tries you've ever seen at the time. So it, it was just unreal, unreal. And then finally, mate, you got that England call-up, that unique year you almost got a couple of years earlier. Um, he, he, and you got Hatchigo in your debut, Hatchigo in your debut against France, 44 6 in 2018. Tell us about that entire experience from when you got the phone call until the final whistle. <laughs> I got the phone call um, a couple of weeks before, and you know, I'm, I'm not very good with my phone. If the <laughs> sounds bad, if someone rings me and I don't know the number, I probably won't answer it. And I always say they'll ring again or they'll leave a voicemail. It, you know, it's not a great mindset to have, but I've always done it. And they rang again an hour later, and it was Jamie Peacock telling me that I'd got an England squad. And I was like, oh, I'm sorry. You know, I missed it. I was doing this. I, you know, I just made a lot of excuses. But, it, you know, the phone call itself was unreal. It was surreal. You know, just getting that, like looking at my miss across the room like, like, oh my God, who is this sort of thing? And then getting pulled into camp a few weeks, you know, before um, them lads finished in Old Trafford in grand final and things like that. Walking into training first day with people like James Graham and Burgess twins and things like that. And being like this, you know, these these are all quite quite a big deal. Um, so that, that was, you know, a, a great moment for me to be around them and then to, to play in that game playing outside Percival and people like that, it, you know, they, it couldn't have gone better, you know, the start, yeah, hat-trick in first half, things like that. And I remember at halftime, Wayne Bennett said, look, I, I wanted more. I wanted, you know, I was thinking, if I get five here, who's ever done that on debut? This would be amazing. And Wayne Bennett pulls in and goes, look, lads, I don't want you to score anymore, really, this half. Um, it's not good for anyone. He said, it's not good to beat these by 16. It's not going to help us in any way. So we just kind of went into a grinding mindset for the second half and I was just sat there going, come on, please, like, give it the ball. But, yeah, it was the, my favourite experience in rugby league, you know, to play for my country. And it's four years ago to the day um, that it actually happened. Um, I know that because I've been sat sulking watching the World Cup because that was my aim to play in. So, uh, yeah, I play. I've got pictures, you know, alongside like I say, James Graham and Josh Hodgson and people like that. And they're, they're memories that will live with me forever because they're some of the greats of the game. 
are you the type of player to kind of pick up your game when you're playing with kind of bigger world-renowned players? Uh, yeah, I think, yeah, I, ju I just like to vibe off the people who, you know, with me. Don't get me wrong, if I'm playing and people don't seem interested, I'll try and, you know, I'll be like, right, I'll try and do it myself then. But playing alongside some of them people, you, you, it's hard not to play your best because, one, you don't want to let them people down. You don't want these icons to think, who's this kid? How's he got an England jersey? But at the same time, you're thinking, I'm, I'm playing for my country. I'm going to do absolutely everything I can here to put in a good performance. Um, I don't think I'd ever forgive myself if I didn't. And what was uh, what was Wayne Bennett like as a, as a bloke and a coach? And how did he influence you? I think he was a great, great bloke, coach. You know, he he really um, he really knew how to work the players. He really knew how to get the best out of the players. Like every player who played with for him, loved playing for him. But with me, probably not so much. Probably, probably clashed a little bit in the sense that. I went into there being a bit young, a bit naive, thinking I'm playing for England, you know, um, I'll do, like, at the time I was very lazy, um, still am, by the sound of the first start of this podcast, but I didn't do the off-field things right, I just turned up and I played, I did, you know, I ate, I ate crap, I drank whatever, I did this, and I was like, well, I'm playing well, so who cares, um, and he seemed to pick up on it, and he grabbed me after the second Kiwis game when they'd won, you know, they'd won the series. There was a game at Ellen Road the week after and I thought, absolutely playing in that game, you know, there's no reason to not play me. Might as well give me a chance. Might as well play me against them. It's in my hometown, you know. Pull me to the side. Um, Tom, if I can make one assumption about you, it'd probably be you don't get out of bed till 10 o'clock on days off. Right, yeah, you're correct. And what? And he goes... That that should tell you everything, mate. I just think this whole camp, you've been a bit lazy. You've been a bit, you haven't been proactive. You've probably just coasted by and done what you need to do. And at international level, you can't do that. If you look around, everyone else has been doing this, been doing that and stuff. And you haven't. And, it, it, you know, it, it, he didn't lie and he didn't say anything out of term. And he said, and for that reason, I'm not playing you in this game. And... Uh, I, that was a real kick in the teeth because I've me being I just thought you know why wouldn't he play me? Um, but then he said you know we don't hand out international jerseys they're not given you earn them. And yeah, I was I was a bit. It took me a few days. At first, I was angry. You know, I was really angry. And then once the anger had subsided, I thought this guy's right. You know, like he's. He's not lying. He's he knows what he's on about. You haven't been good enough, and you probably didn't deserve that chance. So, I went away and changed my whole outlook on training. You know, started doing things on my days off. Started jumping out of bed earlier. Started reading books. Things, just anything what could better myself personally, and tried taking it into the 2019 season, which I felt amazing going into, and I thought this advice has worked. And he scored a hatchet at Headingley, one of the first games of the season. I remember um, me, I think me and Dad were there. Was that the game when Neil Fox handed the ball over Dad to Bruffy? I think that was the same game. Was that I think it was, wasn't it? it? I remember yeah. Bill Zupo being on fire. He was actually on fire that day as well. We, we absolutely destroyed Leeds at Headingley. We kind of stood, stood there thinking this could be a real change in the guard in terms of professional clubs. And then um, and then a couple of games later, mate, you did your other ACL. 
Yeah, yeah, that 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 Leeds game for me was probably the most enjoyable I've ever been in. You know, other than the pride and the honour of playing international, that game was probably the pinnacle in. Bill was untouchable. Mate, Callum Watkins is a class player and Bill made him look like he was 16. Like, B Bill just was untouchable that game and I just got the reward off the back of it, you know. Um, I think he ran for over 300 metres or something like that, which it's only been done a couple of times. And But his weren't line breaks. They were just, you know, beating defenders and going. And that I'll always say that was probably the best performance I've ever seen by a player. Um and then, yeah, a few weeks later, playing Hull FC. Um, and what happened with that, I'll probably never forgive myself again. I I wore the wrong boots to the game. And I said, Max, lend us your boots. My boots aren't fitting right. They don't feel good on this turf. Give me your boots. Warmed up. Fuck, these boots feel class, you know. Started off on fire. I think I ran for 130 metres in about 25 minutes or something like that, which is what some people do in a game. And then Tash room at ball, went to step, felt this, the worst pain I've ever felt in my life, just blinding pain from my knee. Everyone could, I've, I've been told by Reese Lynn's partner that you could hear me screaming in the other corner from in, in the stadium because I was in that much pain. And I was just screaming, saying, my kneecap, my kneecap's popped out, my kneecap. And they were going, your kneecap's fine. So what had happened is I'd hyperextended my leg and it had popped at side jolted back in when it jolted back in the fib and tib had clashed together and fractured my acl meniscus had flipped over um mcl pcl damage and posterior lateral corner had all just ruptured in a, in a second so they said when i got the scan you've actually done there's less that you could have done you know sorry you've done everything you you're better off saying what you haven't done than what you have um, so yeah, as you'll know, <laughs> that's right. Yeah, well, that was my next question, really, because like I remember you saying at the time, you'd done it good and proper, hadn't you? It wasn't just your ACL. You, you'd, you'd done fractures. Your your cartilage has gone. Your cartilage had torn and twisted. Um, I remember you said, I remember that story at the time. Yeah, yeah, and that was probably why you know it was so so painful at the time. Um, yeah, I've, I've, I've never felt like pain like it and I'm hoping I never do again. But um, it would just, like they say, there's when you do one ACL on one leg, there's a big chance that you, I think it puts it up by 45% that you'll do the other. And, you know, it just happened to be that that was it. And it was probably needed because there's definitely an imbalance there if it goes in such a, you know, catastrophic way. Was it, um, just just with the physio head on, which, which leg did you break against St. Helens? Uh, my right one. So I've done my right ACL and I broke my right leg. And then yeah. the left one was the one where everything just right. imploded. Mm -hmm. So was, was your rehab just the same? What were you like mentally again? Obviously, you're in another long year out, another uh, on Dave Cooper's couch for a, another year. Were you any better yeah. mentally or was it just another tough year? It, it was another tough year. It was a really tough year because it was like, I've done everything right. Why is this happening? Sort of thing. But there was clearly imbalances and things there. So um, when when we tested at the end of it, my legs had developed 50% stronger. So they clearly weren't strong enough to cope with the demand that I was putting on them. Yeah. But um, yeah, I, ju I just tried looking at it in the mindset, mindset of, you've done it before, let's do it again. 
sort of thing. And when the ACL has gone as well, it's not as bad because you're waiting nine months for that to be fully healed and ready to go anyway. So the rest of it just came into it. Look, don't get me wrong, the first three months was agonisingly slow because there was all the other damage to it. But once the three months had gone, it was just kind of like, right, from months four to nine were the same, you know, getting running, change of direction. But the first three months were painful and slow because there was other things, other issues in the way. Mm. Just jumping the gun a little bit, again, talking about your knees, you play better in the summer because the, the, the grass and the grounds are a lot more lush. Did that have did that have any sort of reasoning into the signing for a, a team in the south of France with different weather and tech pressure off your knees and your joints? Yeah, yeah, it definitely did. Um, I, like I say, I spoke, I spoke to a few teams. I spoke to a team in Australia, um, but decided... At this age, it's probably not the right time to take my grand, you know, my grandchild, my child away from its grandparents and move my dog over, which would have to be in quarantine for three months on its own in Melbourne and things like that. We just decided it won't for us. So then, you know, when, when Catalan came in, it was, we could get the same sort of lifestyle here, but we're two hours away from home playing summer rugby all year round. You know, it, it was a, it was a big factor. Yeah, it definitely. Was that an exclusive there? Were you telling us that Melbourne were in fear? No, unfortunately, if it were Melbourne, it'd be all right because we'd have been close to quarantine place. Uh, no, it was definitely in Sydney. <laughs> you, you watch, mate. You'll get first match of the season. You'll get, you'll get Lee, Lee away on a, on, a, on a wet Friday night in February and you'll be back here again. <laughs> yeah, sat there thinking, God, now I'm travelling over two hours before as well as the rain. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, mate, back on the field, 2020, um, you were you were going okay, and then this COVID hit. Not just you, but hit the world. So how did you get through 2020 and COVID uh, as a professional rugby league player? Um, it was quite quite funny, actually, going into COVID, because we played, I think it was Bradford. Was it a Monday night? Was it, it was. It was, a midweek, it was a midweek cup game, wasn't it? That's when we all... Yeah, saw, and... Under floodlights. Joe Westerman, Big Judd, comes in and goes, "Hey lads, lads, there's this COVID thing from someone eating a bat and that like, <laughs> we're get, you know, we're getting shut down. It's crazy. It's killing people. And we all, you know, shut up, mate. Like we're playing a game of rugby, blah blah blah. And then next minute, day after or day after that, Boris Johnson, hey, everyone go home, don't come back out again. And we were all like, what? What is happening? Straight on the phone to you know coaches and things like that." do we follow this rule? What do we do? We've never had out like this before. No one has. Stay home, abide by the rules, right? Okay. So first few weeks go by and we're training intense, you know. Um, we're getting given a field session to run every day. We're getting given a 5K to do a week and then you've got some weight exercise to on that. So we're doing that and then I think we get to week three and it gets extended again. And then I think it gets a two or three month extension. At this point, I'm like, we aren't playing anytime soon. And I found, I, be, I got a newfound love from red wine. So <laughs> it got to the point where I was drinking. I think a lot of people became alcoholics in lockdown. I was drinking almost a bottle of red a night. Just honestly, I was loving the stuff. Looking back at it now, terrible decision. And the, the shape I came back in was not great. But I, I became a very light skinny winger and I were doing 5Ks in like 18 minutes because I was, that's all I was doing, just running. Um, but yeah, it, it came in, we came back and 
because probably I've not done the adequate weight training, I've probably not looked after myself, you know, well over lockdown. I came back and my first carry of the game, my elbow snaps. So, yeah, that that would probably, I'd, I'd admit, out of everything, that was probably on me. You know, that was probably due to being undercooked and not ready for it. Yeah, that was my next question, mate. After all that time, we played Wigan, scored a try, and then what was it? The first first few minutes, your elbow went, and you're out again for another six weeks, weren't you? Yeah, the only good news about that is we went to see specialist, and he said, "Look, it's only it it's so it's UCL, which is like is it UCL, which is in there? Um, yeah, so yeah. Due, due to you know being stronger blokes by nature being bigger than everyone else you don't need it operating on because it's it's solid your muscles are holding it in place you'll be fine so I think I did seven weeks of rehab and then back in back in and off we go and the end of that season um, obviously as the season's gone on mate you've sort of developed into one of the sort of old stages now a lot of academy players coming through the system we've had some beauties and belters come through do you make it your purpose to sort of take them under your wing have you taken anybody under your wing with these wingers uh yeah like obviously i'm not i'm not quite at the age where i want to be their mentor and that be my sole purpose you know of bringing players through but i'm always trying to give advice i'm always trying to help because when i came through i kind of i had advice from players but it was more learn as you go i was dropped in in a team what weren't performing at the time and learn on the go and it probably took me around 30 Super League games before I got a bit of an understanding of what I should be doing um, so like like I say Lewis Murphy he started training with us last year and seeing him straight away and I went wow like this kid looks good he's very raw but he looks good and Andy Last the coach you know the assistant coach at the time goes I agree I think he's great so worked with him a lot last year you know and then this year just tried I like without saying I know it all I already know to an extent what we're doing in certain things at training when we're running certain drills so I'd take a step out and be like you step in you do this I'll watch you I'll let you know what you're doing and he'd come back and he'd be like what do you think and I'd be like right try this try that and so I, it was just one in for me one in for him to try and get him some some miles under his belt and then obviously he didn't have the debut he, he'd have hoped but then after the debut, there was talk about whether he plays again and things like that. And I said, you've got to play him again. The kid's class, he's got a massive future, play him again. And then speaking to Lewis, I just walked up to him and I says, mate, you're here for a reason. You are class. You aren't just here because we feel sorry for you or things like that. You're a great player and you've got a massive future idea. Play with some confidence and enjoy yourself. And I don't think he looks back from that moment. I think he's just really took it upon himself to just do his game and play how he wanted and look 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 what he did from that. I think that Leeds debut will be infamous now because since then he's he's scored X amount of tries and, and done some amazing things and people were even calling for him for the England squad as well for this World Cup. I think it probably a little bit too early for him, but he's not put a, he's not put a foot wrong, has he, since then? No, no, definitely not. He's you know he's he's still a little bit like probably, like I say, for the international stage, he's probably got a little bit of maturing physically to do. But what what he can do, he can he can make everything I've done. He you know he can do and things like that. He you just have to give him that little bit of confidence, give him a few pointers here and there, and tell him to back himself. And once he does that, he you know he, he's flying. And then 
you know, the, the, the seasons after COVID have been difficult for you, mate, with, with one thing or another. And obviously concussions have been in there as well. And you've managed 35 games in the past three seasons. Did, did you feel as though your time was naturally coming to an end? Did you kind of see your future away from Wakefield at this point? Uh, I would I wouldn't say I was seeing it coming to an end. Uh, you know, there was there's some serious frustration, you know, these past three years. 35 games in three years is terrible. Like I've I've looked and I think I've played 45% of the games which I should have played. And no, I'm here to play, you know what I mean? I, I want to play rugby, that's why I started this thing. So um yeah, there's been some very, very bad laws and things and that and frustration and I think it just naturally came to that point this year. Um, you know, I spoke, I spoke to the club, um, but I also spoke to other clubs and seeing some of the young lads coming through this time and knowing, you know, a couple of the lads were leaving, which I've been so close to over the past few years. We just sat down with my missus and we just thought, not just rugby-wise, I want to move. I think I think I want to move away. I think I want a fresh start. It, it's been very turbulent the last few years. And I think for me, I think there's there's nothing for me here as such, which I haven't already done and I haven't already enjoyed. So rather than staying in my comfort zone and things like that, let's let's try something new and you know start start afresh. And that's probably why we ended up moving countries in a sense, because there's you can't move somewhere new five minutes away. You need to go and go and start a new a new chapter. I know we've briefly spoke about it before, Tom, but what, how, how do you manage with kind of online abuse and all these the kind of Twitter trolls as well kind of perking up when they, when they want to? You know, I've, I've usually been pretty good with it. A um, few points this year, though, I just got a bit fed up, you know, I've, with with a lot of the people giving the club stick and giving the players stick and giving me stick for moving on, like it's their, you know, like they, they have a say on what I do and things like that and um, being negative about a lot of things. Um, I removed my Twitter a couple of times um, just because, look, people can have their opinion. People can say what they want. But why do you feel the need to tag me in it so it pops up on my thing when my phone's just buzzing? It's just random idiots online telling me what they think about me or the game. And I'm like, nice one. Cheers, pal. You've, you've done well there. But, you know, the, you've got to have that sort of professional aspect to a sense where you, you don't, reply you don't come back and we don't give them the bite they're wanting um probably sometimes this year I failed in the fact that when people were giving the club it and saying we're doomed I was like do you really think the lads are trying to send us down do you really think the lads don't want to be in Super League like I'm there every day I'm watching the lads working their asses off they're doing everything right it's just not quite clicked yet trust the process it'll come and then Two weeks later, we go on a you know six games we win or whatever, and they're all coming back and going, "Oh my god, how good's the club? Love this, love you, thanks for everything." And it's like sometimes people are very fickle and very one way or the other. So yeah, it's I've I used to be pretty good for it, but I think this year it probably just tipped me over the edge a bit. You mentioned obviously that that kind of period where now ex coach Willie Poaching was was getting a lot in the neck as well and. What, what did you make of Willie in, in his short period in the post? I, I think Willie's a great guy, you know. Um, probably dropped onto him pretty, you know, sh- out of the blue last year. Um, went on a good run and things like that. And I think it, w- it was an enjoyable year. 
um, in the sense that he's a, he's a feel-good guy, you know, he makes you want to be at the place and enjoy the place and things like that. And um, maybe maybe the year didn't quite go as hoped, you know, we got them wins at the end of the year and things like that to secure the safety, but um, the year wasn't quite, I think with the team and the players we had on paper, we didn't quite perform to the to the standard we should have done. And probably, like you say, it was it was in the club's best interest from them to to, to go a different way. But I, I, I've I've no problems, you know, with Willie. I, I really enjoyed being under Willie, and I think he's a great guy. Good stuff, mate. Uh, we touched on it earlier about uh, what appealed um, about the south of France. Obviously, the weather is going to take the pressure off your knees. Uh, you're at your comfort zone now, mate. A brand new lad. You've lived there all your life. What's your goals for 2023? Uh, you know, people ask you this at the start of every season. What are your goals for this year? And I used to say injury-free, but I feel like we'll just throw that one away now. Um, get back to really enjoying it. Get back to the best version of me um, and you know just go out there week in week out and put performances performance in and things like that just really enjoy not just rugby but enjoy life just go and have a you know a good year and just get myself back on track but if I want to thing there's if I, I'd be lying if I says there's not a burning desire which goes through my mind and I probably tell my missus every single day of my life I'm gonna wear that England jersey again, and I'm gonna win a. I'm gonna win a Super League. So, I complain probably every day that that is happening at some point. So, look, if it's 23, 24, or twenty five, I, I have to make it happen. So let's let's hopefully it's the sooner rather than the latter. Great stuff. He's your new boss, so you're not gonna say anything negative about him. But tell us about Steve McNamara. Have you had good dealings with him so far? <clears throat> To be honest, mate, yeah, he, he's been great. He, by the off chance, he found out I was available to be signed um, when speaking to Andy Clark about his son. Um, and then, you know, have you got any outside backs? Yeah, we've got Tom. No, Tom will have signed somewhere. No, he hasn't. He's weighing up his options. Right, give me his number. I want to speak to him. Had a great phone call with him. Really enjoyed everything he had to say. And it, it, you know what? It's like he'd been watching me through my window. He said... If you want a different experience rather than being on M62 corridor and a fresh start, there's no better place. And I was like, is he been reading my mind? What's going on here? But um, yeah, I was still weighing up where I actually, you know, wanted to end up. Um, and I was getting pretty stressed about it. And then spoke to him again and said, look, mate, I'm stressed. I'm not sure whether it's, you know, ABC. And just how he handled it, the way he spoke to me, look, you could go here, you could go there and there'd be no problems. But like I said, if you want that fresh start, you want to do this, you want to do that, maybe this is a place for you. And I came off the phone and instantly just knew, you know, this is where I'm ended up, this is where I'm going to go. He seems like an absolute top guy. And he's, he's not forced anything. He's not said, look, this and that. He's just put the cards on the table and left it up to me and given me that choice. And, you know, I... I, I couldn't speak higher of him from what I've met of him so far. You know, I've not I've not been over there and trained under him yet. So we'll see. It must be quite exciting as well, mate, really, isn't it? You know, it's apprehensive. You're moving countries, moving jobs, moving house, moving your family over there. But it must be deep down exciting as well. New challenge. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Look, I was I was 
wholeheartedly committed to Wakefield until the end of that season. So I didn't really think about the move. You know, there was the interviews of, you signed for Catalan? And I was like, yeah, I have. <laughs> but I've got a job to do first. Yes, I can't be on the pitch, but, I, you know, I'm still, I'm still there, head and heart, you know. I, I love the place. But since the season's finished, I can't wait to move. I can't, I can't wait to get there and I can't wait to start because it's just... You know, like you say, it's that fresh start and growing up in the south of France on the coast with a young family and things like that, you, you don't get these opportunities. Normal people don't get that. And I'm fortunate enough to be getting that opportunity to give it a go. So I can't I can't wait for it. Are you prepared? Can you can you speak French? <laughs> so <laughs> no is the answer. Um I listen to an audible and I don't know, you know, there's kinesthetic learning and things like that. Well, just listening was not working. I was coming off after listening to it for an hour and I was going, I can't say anything new. So I got Duolingo, the app, and I've been playing on that and it's quite addictive. And I've been learning bits here and there, but it's it's the confidence of saying it, you know, like I'll say a word and be like, I know what this is. But then when my missus is like, right, put in a sentence then. <laughs> Mine goes blank and I panic. So hopefully when I get there, it'll just start to flow a bit. And when do you go? Because you said offline, a lot of the French, a lot of the Catalan team are involved with the World Cup at the moment. So when you go over there, there's nobody there. So have you got a set date to go? Yeah, we've been, I've been set to get some of my flights on the 13th and I start training on the 15th. Um, there's just two of us in at the beginning. And then we're trickling from then on. So I think the 22nd, non-World Cup players come in. And then the 29th or 27th, you know, other players start to, what I've played in the nights, people like that are starting to come back. And then the World Cup players, dependent on how far they get in the World Cup, are trickled in from then onwards. So um, I think I get a week or two to get, you know, training under my belt and just get used to the place before I then meet the lads and start getting involved in a full team thing. And obviously, you know, you speak, you wax lyrical about the players you've played with at Wakefield, mate. But, it's, I mean, it is a little bit of a step up when you go into Catalan and you've got, you know, the England captain as your fullback, and you've got ex-Origin players in Dylan Napa and Mitchell Pearce and Mickey McAlorum at nine. And, you know, some fantastic players in that squad as well. You must be excited to, to hook up with them. Yeah, definitely. Sam was also a big factor in the reason I went. He was in that 2008 squad um, against Kiwis and you know, just watching him and training alongside him and things like that, how, you know, the how professional he is and how he holds himself and the experience he has. Um, I had a phone call with him before I signed and just asked him about the place and things like that, and he couldn't speak any higher of it. So um, that was a big aspect of, of the signing. But, yeah, looking at people like Mitch Pierce and Dylan Harper, and you're kind of in awe of them watching the NRL, you know, it's... It's mad watching some of them players and then to be told that they're going to be my teammates next year alongside, you know, that Takiaho, what's coming from the Roosters and things like that. There's, that's probably a big reason for signing. Like I said, one of my biggest ambitions in my career is to win a Super League and I believe that there's a squad there what has a very big chance of it. And then linking back all the way to one of the first questions we asked you, mate, there's, there's a bit more competition there as well. I mean, it's fair to say... The, the the more prime years in your Wakefield career, you're probably one of the first team names on the team sheet, but you've got the likes of Tom Davis, Wood Yaha, as you've already mentioned, some some very good 
international class wingers already there. So you, you're probably going to feel that competition as well. Yeah, definitely. It, it brings that, you know, that, that competition aspect and it, 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 you know, it'll help me a bit. Like I say, I can be a bit laid back, not in my rehab and things like that. But when I'm on the pitch in training, sometimes it'll be, oh, you know, do I finish that? Do I not? And I'll go, oh, I would finish that. But, and I'll probably pull up a bit to try and maybe protect myself. But when you've got two world-class wingers stood behind you, 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 you probably can't do that. And so it'll probably you know, lock another level for me to train and bring that competition, which is what I want. I want to, I want to push myself. I want to be working the best. I want to make myself the best I can possibly be. So it'll bring that. But in, the, in another sense, it's if I do get a knock or if anyone gets a knock, you've also got another class player to fill in, which hopefully, you know, doesn't drop any momentum and things like that. And there's probably, like for me with the concussions, there's no rush to come back and maybe getting a second concussion off the back of playing too early, you know your spot's secure and you've got someone good in that sense there and you can do things right, maybe. With, with your move to Catalan, mate, can you make us one promise that you won't come to Bellevue and score at trick against us? Mate, honestly, I I can't promise anything. I'd prob- I'll probably get hunted like a dog when I come, but <laughs> I, I am really excited to play against some of the boys. I've, I've said for years, you know, if I if I ever leave or if you ever leave, it'd be great to play Wakefield and come back um, back to the club and, and play some of you boys. Like I say, Max and Jordi are two of my groomsmen at my wedding, so playing opposite them will be, will be quite quite a fun thing to do. In all honesty, mate, in, in all the years I've been a fan and obviously my dad's doubled that, I, I, I imagine it's, it's been few and far between when a player's come back to the club and probably will get a standing ovation as well. I imagine you'll, you'll get a good reception when you come back and play at Bellevue. I hope so, mate. You know, it, it, is, a, it is a big, it's a special club, club to me, like I said earlier, you know, thankful and things like that. It's, it's been a club who picked me up as a, a young lad and have, have looked after me right through to the end. Um, and sadly, I've maybe not been able to reciprocate that on the pitch at times with with the injuries and especially when it was announced at the end of this year that I'd be leaving that I couldn't get on the pitch that one last time and see the fans or you know give them give them what what I feel like they deserved in in a performance from me but um yeah I'm ho- hoping that maybe maybe after the game I might get some nice things but probably before it I'll get a few boos here and there <laughs> And 87 tries for Trinity, mate, as well. If there's, if, there's any, if there's room at the back end of your career, can you just come back for a season and try and get 13 tries to get 100? I wanted that this year, mate. I'd scored seven in 10 at the start of this year. I thought 13 more tries in 15 games. Easy, we'll get us 100 this year. Can't wait. And then, you know, it's struck again. We've got, we've got sniped from back at ground and ended up not quite making it. But, yeah, it, it's something what will probably probably eat away at me for a bit the fact that I didn't quite get that 100 Is there any one try that stands out to you specifically? Um, no to be honest um, probably probably the try away at Leeds um, where Bill gives me that pass and I managed to dive in the corner um, just you know just doing it ahead and lay against Leeds was, was quite fun for me so yeah and last but not least, mate, as we start to wind down, just, just tell us about you away from Rugby League. You've touched on it a bit already. You've got a, 
You've got a partner, you're due to get married. You've got a dog and a, and a, and a young bairn as well. Just tell, tell us a bit about you away from the game. Um, to be honest, without offending anyone, I'm a bit of a nerd. Um, I love I love the PlayStation. Um, I love playing on laptop. Um, I've always been a bit of a gamer and things like that. You know, I love Harry Potter. I love Lord of the Rings. I'm into all that sort of stuff and I get a cop a bit of stick um, from lads at times for it. But yeah, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a book of useless knowledge as well. I'm a, I'm a person who knows nearly every film quote, every film off by heart and I'm, I, I love music. I like every single genre of music. You you couldn't name a genre I don't like. So people go, do you love R&B? I go, yeah. Do you, love, do you love India? Yeah. Do you love screamo and hard rock and metal? Yes, love it. So there, there is no type of music you could play and I wouldn't enjoy it. So um, yeah, other than that, I like, I like to, I love coffee. I have a big addiction to coffee. Um, I spend most of my days off with the missus and the, the little and going to trial in different coffee shops. I've got a little coffee book with all the best ones in the country, which have been in the book. And where do we go today? Right. We'll go here and we just drive off. We'll, we'll drive an hour and a half to go to a coffee shop and things like that. And when the lads are like, like, mate, it's a day off. Where can I go today? They ask me and I just tell them which one does the best brekkie or which one does the best stuff. So yeah. Um, just spend a lot of my time around there more on PlayStation really. When's your wedding? It's the 4th of December. I won't get it wrong like Jordi did, don't worry. <laughs> so you could, obviously you're coming back, obviously. You're going to France for on the 15th and then coming back on the for your wedding? Yeah, so I'm going on my own for the first few weeks just to go settle in and things like that and get, you know, the house sorted and things. Um, Mrs. is staying here because we're selling this one, so she'll stay here and sort all that aspect. Um, I've come back just before the wedding, probably on the 1st, I think it is. And then... We'll have a couple of days um, at the Devonshire Arms in, in at Bolton Abbey, just next to the venue, uh, in the spa bit. And then we're going going back across, all of us flying back across and then living out there for from then on. Good stuff, mate. With it being the, the, the last uh, podcast we're doing this year, it's been a pleasure having you on, mate. It's, uh, it's great listening to your story. <clears throat> I've been watching Trinity for nearly 50 years, and if I had to pick a dream team of, of the players I'd seen in the 50 years, you'd be my winger, mate. So it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Pleasure watching you play. It's, I'm, I'm, as, I'm as disappointed as you that you didn't get 100 tries, because obviously I'm a fan and do my heritage stuff. We've only ever had 13 players that scored 100 tries in our, in our history. But that's that. That we, we can't change that. But uh, absolute pleasure watching you play, mate. And it's uh, I thank you uh, for your time at Trinity. No, thank you, mate. It's it, it's you know, like I say, it's it's a very special place in my heart, and I've I've loved the years there, and I've I really appreciate the love, you know, especially saying um, that I'd make it in your team and things like that. And I've I've loved being on and getting to share the story and talk to you, boys. So thank you. It's been a, it's been a pleasure. Tom, I just want to echo them sentiments, mate. And, and I think it's a, it's a case that everyone that's maybe said something bad or a, a bad drive about you in the past couple of years, they'll, they'll forget everything as soon as you, you come back to Bellevue. They'll be chanting your name. And once again, I said this to a lot of people who come on the podcast because we've got a relatively, I say this, relatively positive fan base because we've obviously all go through a lot together as Trinity fans, but there's not a bad word said about you on, on the terrace, mate. And it's a, it'll be a delight to have you back as long as you don't bag that hat-trick. <laughs> thank you mate I appreciate it look I, I am looking forward to coming back um, I do like I say I do love the place so it'd be good especially 
hopefully if the stadium's done, you know, I've been I've been told that stadium will be there before I signed in Academy. So um <laughs> it'd be good to come back and see it done. Brilliant. So thank you. Not just to Tom and not just to my dad, but thank you to everyone for the past 61 episodes of the Wakefield Trinity Heritage Podcast. This is our last podcast of 2022 and it's been a fantastic ride all the way from episode one with Gareth Ellis. Book ended with episode 61 with Tom Johnson, two of our best prospects in the Super League era. So thank you both of you, Lee Robinson and Tom Johnston for coming on and everybody for listening to our podcast for the entirety of this year. We have just, we are very close to hit, uh, 20,000 hits actually. So we're, we're really pushing towards that. And Tom's going to share this just to push that up even more. And obviously the Catalan viewership and listenership now as well. But you can follow us on any social media that we've got online, any Facebook, Twitter, and obviously we're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, etc. as well. For any further information and real-time updates on the podcast. Once again, massive thank you to my co-host, Lee Robinson, with all the research he does and all the editing and everything that is included in this podcast. Um, thank you once again to Tom Johnston. Best of luck in the south of France and best of luck becoming a husband. Um, obviously, final nail in your coffin there in 2022. So, <laughs> And I have been Jamie Robinson. It's been a pleasure and we will catch you all down the road in 2023. Thank you very much. Hi, it's Cammy Tris Kamara. You have been listening to the Trinity Heritage Podcast. With Jamie and Lee Robinson. It's unbelievable!